Hello, I'm Tyson Day, and welcome to the Careers Perspectives with Palladians, a podcast series where we interview Palladians who have an inspiring career and dive deep into their work and understand specifically what is involved in their chosen industry. In this episode, we speak with Katrina Dowling, CEO of the Westmead Institute for Medical Research Foundation, and explore the process of becoming a CEO and the skills and mindsets required. Katrina shares her experience in working for a startup in Virgin Australia, starting her own business, and further details around her journey that took her from a marketing student to a CEO. We hope you enjoy the episode. McRobb, Arrive and Thrive, and our guest would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we recorded this podcast, and pay our respects to their elders, leaders, past, present, and emerging. Katrina Dowling, welcome to the podcast show. How are you going? Thank you, Tyson. I'm really well, thank you. Thanks for having me today. Good to hear. And where are you calling us from today? Or where are we calling you, rather? <laughs> yeah, so look, I'm, I'm based in Sydney. Uh, yep. And today I'm out of my office in Westmead. So I, um, I'm the CEO of the Westmead Institute for Medical Research Foundation. So based out at the, um, the thriving Westmead Health Precinct. Amazing. Something that we're getting all of our guests to share with our listeners is your journey into your role of which you are now. So can you take us all the way back to when you were at McRobb and as a year 11 or year 12 student, what were some of the things that you were doing and and what was on the horizon for yourself back then? Gosh, all of those years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Great. Okay. So um, I... uh, was um, at McRobb, I, I did year 12 at McRobb in 1990, which seems like a lifetime ago now. Um, look, I look back at my time at McRobb and it was it was fantastic. It was really great. I'd, I'd been to um, a co-ed school prior to joining McRobb um, in, in year 11, actually. Um, so I did my final two years of school at McRobb and they were without doubt the best two years of, of my high school career. I love the fact that I connected with um, with some really wonderful um, young women um, who've gone on to remain, you know, many of them remain lifetime friends for me. So when I finished year 12, um, I didn't know exactly what I would do, but I knew that I wanted to do something in, in business. Um, and I've always been very... Um, uh, determined, I guess you could say, um, and ambitious. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that I really enjoyed about my time at McRobber, surrounded by other people who really wanted to, to go out and, and you know, do something and make a difference in, in the world. So that's what I knew I wanted to do when I, when I finished up at school. So I went on to uh, Melbourne Uni and I did a, um, a commerce degree majoring in economics. And in the final year of, of my degree, I took some marketing subjects and I thought, wow, I love this marketing stuff. It's great. It's all about understanding people and, you know, what drives people and, and, what, and what makes them tick. And, um, and so I actually went on to, um, to do another course um, at RMIT, um, a Bachelor of Business uh, majoring in marketing. So, um, and part of, part of that course was going out into industry for a sandwich year. And, and throughout, my, um, throughout my life, I've always had a love of airports and flying. Um, so I thought, right, my goal is to get into a marketing job in an airline. So I applied for my sandwich year to ANSET, which now no longer exists. Um, and um, they said to me, well, look, you've, you've, you've already um, 
um, graduated from, from, from one degree, so why don't you join our graduate development program? And I thought, wow, that's, that's an amazing opportunity. Uh, and it was a fantastic way to start my career because um, I stepped into this graduate development program, which was all about um, being exposed to different elements of a business. So I spent um, the first six months of um, my posting in finance, and then I moved on to operations and then to marketing. And then I went on to take up um, a role um, in international um, marketing with the airline when we launched um, international. Um, so it was a really great way to, to, to get my career started because it was doing some really exciting project work, um, a lot of it very challenging. So really pushing you out of your comfort zone in terms of going into different areas of the business. Um, and a great way to understand how a business generally works. So that was a, a fabulous five years, you know, of my of my career as the foundation. And then um, I heard that Virgin was planning to launch an airline in Australia, and I thought, wow, not only is this organisation in, in in airlines, but it's Virgin, a marketer's dream. And I thought, I've got to be part of this. Um, and I've always been a person, I guess, that if I see an opportunity, um, I, I I, and I really want to do something, I chase it. So I, um, I contacted the uh, UK office of, of Virgin and I you know, knocked on the door, not literally, on the phone. <laughs> did you, I was going to say, <laughs> and, did, you, um, did you speak to Richard Branson by any chance? Well, well, I didn't speak to Richard directly, but I was going to try and you know, get there eventually, and I did. Um, so, um, so anyway, I, I, I said, look, I'm, I'm here that Virgin's planning to launch in Australia. Can you tell me? who's going to be leading that and, and how I can go about, you know, expressing my interest. So um, I was given the names of Brett Godfrey, who was to become the CEO, and David Hartner, who was to become the head of commercial. And I hounded them. Um, you know, I made phone calls and I sent my CV and, and, um, and they got me to meet with a guy called Bruce Highfield, who went on to become the head of HR. So I went through a process and I secured the role to uh, lead marketing, reporting through to the head of commercial as part of the startup team. And yeah, I was just over the moon. I thought, wow, this is a fabulous opportunity. Um, and that's how I actually came to move to Sydney because we thought at the time, when I was part of the initial startup team, that head office would be based in, in Sydney. As things eventuated, head office was based in Brisbane, um, but I'd already made the move um, to, to Sydney. So I then did a, a a five-year commute um, between between Sydney and Brisbane, um, but I happily did that because I loved I loved you know being part of that whole experience and it was really exciting. It was about you know taking this plan to really um, disrupt um, a really embedded duopoly um, at the time um, in in the Australian aviation industry with Qantas and Ansett having operated for so many years. Um, and to bring something different, you know, to, to the market. So it was taking the airline from, you know, plan on a whiteboard through to a fully fledged um, airline. Uh, and it was a really exciting thing to, to be a part of. Um, so once again, great, great learning opportunity um, and really proud of the things that collectively as a team we, we achieved um, in, in launching and, and developing the airline. And we had a very clear model in terms of, you know, that low cost, low fare model that we launched. And then after a five year period with, with Virgin, um, I decided that I wanted to start my own marketing consultancy. And so that's, that's what I did. I, um, 
I launched uh, Brand Brilliance and I consulted to a range of organisations across a number of different industries. Uh, everything from very tactical hands-on marketing through to, um, you know, really strategic work around um, going in and, and, and doing um, a marketing and broader business audit and, and working with um, businesses to define, you know, their strategy, their plan for moving forward and growing their businesses, um, recruiting teams, um, and as I said, and then everything down to, you know, working with organisations to develop brand identity and and websites and so so really diverse range of of, um, of challenge and what I loved about that really was um, uh, just the constant learning you know going into an organization and learning as much about that business and that industry uh, asking lots of questions and then coming back with you know really well informed um, advice uh, and meeting lots of people lots of really interesting um, people with different career backgrounds and different challenges. And I find that very, very interesting. Um, I um, then took a step out of um, corporate for a period of time and health and wellness has always been a, a, a great passion of mine. And I actually trained to become a, um, a personal trainer. And I saw I, this. This is amazing. Yeah. yeah. And I, um, and I um, operated um, my own outdoor um training business targeting corporates and I call that octane um, you know all based around the concept of high energy high intensity um, training uh, and I operated that for um, for about an 18 month period and then and then I decided I wanted to jump back into into the world of, of corporate and marketing and management because I, I, I did really miss it um, so I stepped back into uh, a marketing director role um, with an organisation that focused on uh, uh, natural health products. Um, so things like brown rice protein, super greens, that sort of thing, and, and, and really loved that and you know, developed a great ambassador program and, you know, we, we, we achieved great things in terms of bringing, you know, some, some really nice product to market. Um, from there, um, I, um, I took on a role um, in, in corporate communications and I was then approached by um, a, a, a person that I had appointed to a team uh, at Maryvale when I was consulting to Maryvale um, to consider a role at the Heart Foundation. Uh, and this role was to lead revenue and communications within the New South Wales division of the Heart Foundation. So it was prior to the time of, of, of um, unification of, of the Heart Foundation. Uh, and so this was my step in, first step into the world of, I like to call it for purpose rather than not for profit, because I think it puts a very different perspective on things. Um, and so, yeah, for me, that was, that was a really um, pivotal step because obviously, you know, moving into for purpose, there's lots of similarities, but there's also lots of, lots of differences. And I think operating in that sort of role in for purpose, you know, you really need to apply your marketing skills, um, uh, you know, more than ever, because essentially when you're going out and you're raising philanthropic funding, you're asking people to um, support and dedicate, you know, their hard-earned dollars towards something where there's not necessarily an immediate exchange of a product or a service per se. Um, so it's really about, um, you know, bringing people along the journey 
um, and having them buy into the vision of, of, of that purpose. So I was with the Heart Foundation for a three and a half year period and built a great team there. And I, you know, one of the things that I enjoyed most about that role was working with a really passionate, dedicated, committed, committed team. Um, and similarly, if I look back on my role at, at, at Virgin, that's what I loved too. You know, we were, we were a really tight-knit team, very much focused on, 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 a, on a clear mission and a clear purpose of mind. Um, and then I was approached to take on my current role um, to launch a philanthropic foundation uh, to drive um, money for medical research. Uh, and there had been a pre-existing uh, philanthropic foundation out at Westmead, stretching across both the hospital and, and the research institute. But this was very much about setting up a foundation focused on generating money for the Westmead Institute for Medical Research Foundation. So it's been about coming in and really obviously understanding the scope of um, the institute and the impact that the institute makes. And more broadly than that, you know, what happens at the, at the health precinct. Um, setting in place a, a strategy for, you know, how we're going to go about generating funding. Um, putting forward, you know, recommendations and, 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 and recruiting a team um, of people to deliver on that strategy and then getting moving with, with things. And one of the greatest challenges for us has been around raising profile. So um, when, I've step, when I stepped into this current role, I, I describe WIMA, as we call the Institute, as, as one of the best kept secrets because we have amazing people here, amazing researchers, um, undertaking amazing research work and achieving great impact. Um, so part of our challenge is really um, putting that on people's radars and making them aware of, of the fabulous work and the difference that's being made with, with that work for human lives. Mm. So that in a nutshell is, is, is where I've, my journey. <laughs> that's amazing. I, I thank you so much for sharing Katrina because there's so many questions I want to ask you around yeah. the, the different levels of experience that you've gained that's yes. allowed you to jump into this type of role. And I think the immediate one that comes to mind is that, you know, you've gained experience from running your own business. You've gained experience from a startup mentality, yes. which is completely different to, to um, a for purpose business, which you've been involved yeah. in as well. And yeah. I'd love to hear from your perspective, like what were some of the key learnings that you had yeah, in that startup yeah. environment? Because I'm sure yeah. there's a lot of um, girls who are wanting to make that transition yeah. Yeah. from school to university into some yeah. of these leading startups that are progressing yeah. to be yeah. incredible businesses. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I think being involved in a startup is one of the most amazing things that, you know, you can do in terms of experience because um, I think it's all about, um, looking at things with an open mind and asking the question, how can this be done, you know, in, in, in the best way or the most creative way or, you know, the, the way that's going to deliver most value. Um, and it's about looking at the range of possibilities, sometimes flipping things on its head and just doing things differently. So I think it's really a great way to develop that concept of, um, thinking, I know this term is overused, but thinking outside of the box or not even thinking in the box. Um, but, you know, just just being able to look at things with a very open mind. And the other discipline I think it brings about is oftentimes with a startup, you've got a very, very lean budget, which I think, you know, if, if, 
if more businesses, I think more businesses are these days, but, you know, it's a very good um, discipline to get into in terms of thinking, how can we do something for as little money as possible? And that's a discipline that's absolutely required with, with a startup. Um, so trying to make things stretch as, as far as you possibly can um, and to be as nimble and flexible as, as possible. And also having a preparedness to try different things. And if things don't work, taking the learning from it and not giving up or, you know, not going, that was stupid, but saying, okay, maybe that idea didn't work how can we, and this term is overused now too, but how can we pivot or how can we, how can we adapt? How can we change um, and make something better um, from the learning? And I think that's the mentality that typically comes through as part of a startup, that it's about, you know, things perhaps not being perfect from the outset, but just getting going with a plan and evolving as things develop. Mm, so it's very exciting for me. Yeah, great insight. The other thing too that I'd love you to unpack further was it seems like you've always been, had this mentality of, oh, that's interesting. I'm going to jump into that. And then yeah. you, you do what you need to do there and then you go, oh, something yeah. else sparks my interest. I'm going to jump yeah. into that. Yeah. Had you ever created a career plan to become a CEO or is it something that just naturally occurred through your curiosity yes. in, in different yeah. roles? Yeah, that's, I think, a really interesting question because if I'm absolutely honest, yes, I guess as a little girl, I always wanted to kind of one day awesome. reach, reach the heights of, you know, CEO. And um, and I think it's possibly something to do with just, you know, being very goal-driven um, and that's also probably linked to my love of sport and endurance sport as well, just having those goals um, and, and, and constantly pushing for the next... Um, milestone or, you know, breaking through a, a, a boundary. Um, but in terms of, I guess, the career path that I've taken, yes, I've made some, some considered steps along the way. But the reason I've thrown myself into um, challenges or roles that I have is because I've always had an interest in, in, in learning mm-hmm. and, you know, not staying, not stagnating, but, but constantly um, evolving and, and, and trying to develop and learn as much as I can. And I think if I look at, you know, what are my priorities, that's one of my priorities for life, trying to learn as much as I can about, you know, different people and different industries and, and, and add value along the way in doing that. Fantastic. Can you take us through a typical day of a CEO? Cause I think <laughs> a lot of people think oh, a lot of meetings yeah. and, and yeah. a lot of coffee yeah. catch ups and checking yeah. in with their team, but can yeah. you run us through your day and, and yeah. give us a snapshot? I guess it's- yeah, I guess it's interesting. And I, I, I'd preface this by saying I don't think there is any one typical day, <laughs> uh, which I like. You yeah. know, I've got this saying and it's um, if you think adventure is dangerous, um, try routine. It's lethal. No, in saying that, um, I do have a good routine, um, but there's no one typical day. So I like to get up early. Um, I generally have my alarm set for about 5.45 and I like to run. And um, the days that I do run are always my best days because um, it's like starting the day with meditation for me. I get out there on the track, um, you know, I see the sunrise, um, I think through my day um, and I have amazing clarity when I run. So it's a really good way to, I think, start my day and frame my day. I then like to, I've got two uh, boys. One's just doing year 12 this year, actually, and, and my other's in year nine. Um, I've always been a full-time working mum, so 
a really important part of my day is driving them to school. And I really like that because it's a way for me to and talk about the day. Um, and I think when you're in the car and you kind of, you know, it's different to sitting, you know, across the dinner table where you're mm. calling each other. I think typically that's where, you know, some of the real conversation happens just in a relaxed, casual manner in the car on the way to school. We talk about, you know, what we're looking forward to, you know, anything that we're worried about, you know, challenging stuff that might be coming up. So I think that's a really important part of my day. I love that. Yeah. I then get to work and I have my coffee and that's another essential part of the day. (laughs) It all starts with coffee. I get up into the office and and say hi to the team. And every Monday um, we start off with a, you know, a a team whip um, at 10 a.m. on Monday morning. And I think that's really important too, because it kind of, as I said, frames, frames the day and frames the week ahead. I typically do have a lot of meetings in, in the schedule um, and I think that's an important you know, part of my role, um, you know, getting out and, and, and talking with people, creating connection, creating relationships. And I see that you know, a lot of my time is actually um, taken up too with, with engaging with, with my team and working through things collectively. So, yeah, I would say that there's no typical day um, but that's generally the structure structure that it takes. Um, and then, you know, on getting home and after having dinner, it's always nice to go for a walk as well. Yep. Just to kind of decompress. Yep. <laughs> no, I love that. The, there's been a theme with a lot of our guests in that, like looking after yourself to be able to serve and lead others. And totally. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. It's, it's lovely. In terms of your own experience and, and things that you've noticed around other CEOs, what are some yes. of the challenges that you, that you feel you face in this type of role? Yeah, I think um, time is a, is, a, is a real challenge. I think, you know, oftentimes you feel that you'd like to make time for lots of different things. Um, but, you know, prioritising, I think, is a, is a key. So really using your time effectively. I think um, as, a, as a female, a female mm. Um, you know, finding others to connect with is, is really great. Um, and I think oftentimes, um, you know, when, when you're in um, senior management and time is stretched, it can, be, it can be stressful. So being able to connect with other people, like-minded people who you can just talk to and, and, and connect with and network with and understand each other, I think is, is really, it's really important. When it comes to, you know, back in the day when you were a young girl and had yeah. a dream of being a CEO, yeah. Was there a particular reason why you had that dream or was there, can you remember like a, 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 a key moment? Cause I'm sure there's a lot of young girls who are, you know, have that same vision. Yeah. And was yeah. there anything that was kind of like the moment where you're like, yes, this is exactly what I'm going to do. Um, I think I've always been really, um, I've always had a lot of energy and my mum always used to say to me, actually, Katrina, one day that energy will be challenged into something productive <laughs> rather than just making a mess of things. Um, <laughs> No, look, I, I guess I was lucky to grow up in an environment where I was encouraged to follow my dreams and made to feel that, you know, if, if, if I set my mind to things, anything was possible. And I think one of the other things that... So my parents prioritised education, but they also um, made me set goals and, and kind of go out and, and, and achieve things for myself. So they said no things you know if I if I asked for certain things it was like no well you you'll you'll have to set that as a goal and you know and 
And I think that's really important, particularly, you know, the current generation where we've got a lot of, I guess, social media that encourages instant gratification and, and, and I think it's good to have goals. And so, yeah, I guess if I look back on my life, my parents were really pivotal in terms of encouraging that goal setting. Um, and I thought, well, if I want to achieve things, I've got to go out and make them happen. I think I've always tended to, to push things to the extreme. <laughs> I'm learning to be a bit more balanced. Yeah, love it. <laughs> and so was there anything back in your, your time at McRob where you felt you, you pushed things a little bit to the extreme, like in terms of like overstudying or um, yeah. Yeah. probably pushing yeah. the boundaries in terms of um, burnout or anything like that? Or Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I did actually develop glandular fever in, 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 in my um, final year at school. Oh, wow. No, I, I, look, I have always tended to push myself very hard and um, I've always set high expectations for myself. I think I've learned to temper that as, as I've, you know, grown older. But I remember, you know, have when we had assignments to do, the lounge room floor covered in, you know, in in my papers studying things and I'm sounding like a real nerd here. I am a nerd. I put my hand up wholeheartedly in a minute, but yeah, I, I guess I took, took things very seriously in terms of my study. And if I looked back, maybe, you know, I, I could have taken time to be a bit more balanced, but you know, when you, when you're going through that, you kind of, and, and you want to do well. Yeah. It, I, I, it did predominate my life. So, yeah. and, and I'm pleased that it did. Yeah, totally, totally. In in terms of your your interest in marketing and and yeah, was there anything that you noticed when you were in high school and then that transition into to university at Uni of Melbourne and then RMIT? Yeah, marketing's obviously changed a lot. Yeah, since, yes, yes. <laughs> since got, yeah. um, those yeah. days, what are some of the things that you would and advice that you would give yeah. young girls who are wanting to step into marketing? Yeah, focus yeah. areas like. Social yeah. media is a big influence at yeah. the moment, but is yeah. there anything else that you feel is, is more yeah. important? Yeah, it's interesting. That, it's an interesting observation that you've made there. So I agree with you that um, the way that we um, execute marketing has changed in, in a lot of ways, but I think the fundamentals remain the same. And at the very core, I think marketing is really about understanding it's understanding people's psychology um, and and why they do the things that they do and and what motivates them and why they might want to purchase you know something um, and I think um, it's very easy to overcomplicate things now and I think if we strip it back to you know the basics it's about really connecting with people so understanding with understanding you know about what makes them tick and then working out the best ways to connect with them build a relationship and and communicate with them at its at its simplest but i do think the way that we execute now you know if we, if we look back even five years is 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 has changed significantly um and even if we look at you know changes that COVID has brought about in terms of the way that um you know organizations are a marketing and 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 um, and engaging in terms of product. You know, there's a big shift, obviously, now to online. And I think if we look at the retail space, I think it's brought forward a whole lot of changes that might not have happened for sort of five years down the track potentially. 
but um, in terms of you know communication and, and, and sales online and, and sales, it's you know that online medium has now um, become you know increasingly important. So yeah, fundamentals remain the same. Execution, there's 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 lots of change, and I think that's exciting. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. And is there any extra curriculum activities or anything that you would recommend yeah. that you, that you yeah. wish you did earlier on in your career to groom your skills and mindset and yeah. Yeah. Um, personality towards that CEO position? Yeah, look, I think, um, you know, I think at the start of my career, I was very shy and, 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 and I was a bit reluctant to get out there and network and, um, and, um, and I think, as I've grown in my career, I've become much more comfortable with doing that. And so my advice would be just, you know, if you, if you are a person who perhaps is a little bit shy in terms of that, find someone who you can go along to those things with and, and, and throw yourself into them because I think that's a great way to identify opportunities, just getting out there, networking with people and, and, and creating connection. And that's how a lot of, you know, business opportunities really do come about. Um, so I think, you know, it's just having that belief in yourself and that confidence in yourself, even if you are a young person to be able to just go and network and, and, and mix in circles and, um, and have great conversations. Um, in terms of extracurricular activities, I think, um, I, you know, I've, I've thrown myself through my life into a lot of different things, but I've always loved, you know, different sporting activities and some of the best connections and, and, and enduring friendships that I've made have been through, um, you know, engaging in, in, in sporting activity, which is, which is good. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So I think it's about connecting with like-minded people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think as you said earlier, like building those relationships, supporting yeah. one another yeah. um, and you never know where those relationships might go professionally. Totally. Totally. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing I'd, I'd also encourage, you know, I see that if we can all support each other and lift each other up, you know, everyone goes much, much further and the business world, yes, can be very competitive at times, but I think, um, you know, it's great to be able to support each other to achieve our, you know, various and different ambitions along the way. Mm. So I'm a right. big believer in trying to, you know, help people connect and, and, and create opportunities um, where I can. Yeah, terrific. And last question. Would, yeah. Reflecting on McRob, would you do anything yeah. differently or, or would you change anything uh, since leaving high school? Since leaving high school? Yeah. Okay, so look, I, I loved my time at McRob. I think it was it was great. It was really good to be able to join um, a school that encouraged you to, you know, be really, um, um, you know, focused on your studies. And once again, it was about being around like-minded people, um, you know, about around smart people who were really um, wanting to to um, study and, and 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 get along in life. So I really enjoyed that. And and we had some fun along the way as well. And you know. As I was saying earlier, many of those friendships that I made remain in place to this to this day. And I think it's really interesting that if I look at the friendship group that I had at McRob, we've all gone on to do lots of different things and we're living in different locations, you know, from the US to, you know, Melbourne to, you know, all over the world. So, um, but we've all remained in contact and, and interested in each other's lives. So... I think um, I think would I do anything differently? The only thing I'd do differently is probably start there sooner. 
Awesome. Great answer. No, that's terrific. And and Katrina, thank you so much for joining us on our show today. Yeah, Tyson, thank you for having me. It's been lovely to speak with you. Oh, it's our pleasure. Is is there a way that students can see your updates or or anything like that in terms of the work? Yeah, look, I'd encourage anyone to to connect with me on on LinkedIn. So you'll find me there under Katrina Dowling. So happy to to connect on LinkedIn. Um, Yeah, I'd be happy to, to chat with anyone who might be interested in chatting about what I'm doing now or, you know, just reach out and, and, and chat about career advice or, you know, courses or whatever it is. Oh, so, perfect. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Katrina. All right. Thanks, Tyson. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, share with a friend, classmate, or even a family member who you think will benefit so we can help even more individuals develop a meaningful career. Thank you.